Welcome to Laugh It Up Fuzzball. I am Joe the Wookie Riot. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about life, the universe, and everything, but mostly geek stuff. A place where we get to let our geek flag fly and talk about all things geek. As I've said before, this isn't an amalgamation of geek news or a comprehensive guide to all genres or the world of geekdom. Hopefully it's just a fun place to cover some geek news, comics, The Simpsons, Star Wars, or whatever randomness finds its way on in the recording. But let us get started. Well, hey, hey, friends, welcome to uh, level 225 of the podcast. And uh, long and short, I actually, uh, this this is me using uh, an episode that I had banked, one that I'd actually planned on using later in the month. But uh, with the with the world crazy cuckoo bananas, I was like, oh, I had plans to record with Blue and Danny the Deuce and, and because of life, the universe and everything, we weren't able to do that. Although good news, we're actually going to do our best of, we're going to record it next week. So that'll be the next episode. Something to look forward to us talking about what we thought was really good from uh, the year 2020. And, and believe it or not, there actually was, at least in the world of geek entertainment, some good stuff in the midst of uh, the dumpster fire that was 2020. Uh, I, I'm completely cognizant that uh, recent events in, in America are wild and interesting and there's plenty to talk about but this this podcast is not the place to discuss that however there is this really interesting idea you know i've seen a lot of people talking about uh, censorship and fascism and stuff like that and of course using the the term orwellian and that that leads me to something i really enjoy in my geek stuff beyond just star wars and the simpsons and whatever I've talked about here on the podcast over, you know, 225 episodes, but I love dystopian fiction so much that I used to have a Wookiee's Dystopia Corner or something like that, where I was, where one of my goals was to have a segment where I talked about dystopia and I haven't, but you know, I think, I forget who I saw, but I saw somebody post something funny, the idea, you know, imagine George Orwell's idea of dystopia proving to be too optimistic and that it sort of got my brain thinking and it got me reaching out to one of my good friends, Dan, the library man, who is a, is a, a member of the Laugh It Up Fuzzballs Facebook group, plug, plug, plug. And, uh, it got it got me reaching out to him. So when he wasn't doing his grad school stuff to be a librarian, and stand the library man, to talk about some dystopia, and we had a really great conversation, and uh, that's what I'm sharing with you. I don't want to make this any longer than it has to. So enjoy uh, me and Dan talking about some dystopia and what probably will be the first part of us uh, of doing our own little dystopia corner. So without further ado. We're going to go to the past, to a recording that was meant for the future. <laughs> Marty, you got to go back to the future. <laughs> Enjoy for some dystopia. It's Orwellian, man. Well, hey, hey, friends. Welcome to level, I don't know, it's probably like 225 or 226, something like that. 220-something of Laugh It Up Fuzzballs. That's right, there's his, uh, and uh, you may be wondering, well, Wookie, every time there's a uh, who is it? Is it, you know, Danny the Deuce? Or is it Blue? Or is it like one of your, your new friends, Mark and Terry, we listen to? Or somebody, well, it is somebody you've heard before, uh, but it's been a little bit. It's been a couple months or so. Uh, Dan, Dan the Library Man. Hey. Hey, what's going on, Joe yeah. and everybody else <laughs> listening? <laughs> another, the other Daniel, uh, another person that's connected to me through my my weird assorted adulthood we are legion we the, the daniels are legion dude it's, <laughs> it's so funny uh we went like oh i guess this man life is so weird because of all the all the rona and everything but back when the world was normal me daniel 
Blue, who's also a Daniel, and then the other Joseph, who does the laughing up fuzzball stuff too. We went to go see Hollywood Babylon, and we we're just laughing because it was two Daniels and two Josephs. And right behind us in line for the Brea Improv was a Daniel. And we were like, he was with a friend, and we we're like, is his name Joseph? And he was like, no. And we were like, oh. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, it would have been would have been serendipitous so funny but yeah lots and lots of daniels lots of fans of uh lion's dens and uh and uh yeah <laughs> pulling out thorns that's right <laughs> for sure all, all the fans of the daniels heck one of my nephews name is daniel now that i think about it so yeah surprisingly i'm the only daniel in my friend group i've got a bunch of alex's but only one there's only one daniel Ooh yeah, lots of Alex. I mean, my my name's Joe, so I'm I'm just so used to. There's lots and lots of me's. Yeah, definitely. When you when you get the moniker like ordinary average Joe, you, you just it is what it is. Cup of Joe, lots of <laughs> lots of commonalities. Hey Joe, what do you know? <laughs> but uh, friends, if you're wondering why why do I have Dan Dan the Library Man on the podcast, well the answer is quite simple. Uh, for those of you who have been living under a rock, uh, 2020 was a, uh, a hot garbage fire. It uh, full of uh, disease and and divisive politics and uh, some comparisons to fascism, uh, as well as monumental wildfires worldwide. And uh, and yeah, short of like nuclear oblivion, it was it was not the best of years. And so it, it sort of got me thinking. I saw, I don't know if it was a meme or what, somewhere, somehow, there's a place for us. Anyways, <laughs> I, I saw somebody positing the idea that uh, imagine George Orwell, his idea of dystopia being too optimistic. <laughs> of course, which got me thinking like, dang, that's a topic. Like uh, just talking about like dystopian, like pop culture whether it's movies or games or comics or books and uh it got me thinking back to when i was in my undergrad for history dan dan the library man although he's working on his master's in library science we uh we met as uh as fellow students getting our bachelors of history that's right like, yep. like in, in the final capstone class and we discovered early on in our budding friendship that we both like dystopia like in so much not that we enjoy the idea of the the opposite of utopia but uh we we like fiction based on it is that a, is that a fair appraisal it is yeah and hopefully it remains fiction because uh as so far this year have, has shown there is no bottom and it can always get worse so <laughs> well the good news is as this podcast is dropping although we're recording it on the tail end of 2020 before christmas it's dropping in 2021 so hopefully like new year new happiness <laughs> yeah happy yeah. new year everybody and i hope you have a great year and have a positive outlook for fresh new horrors that will be visited upon us all <laughs> yeah well just remember in 2021 planet earth prevails that's right <laughs> yeah but basically uh me and dan just wanted to have like a really good conversation about different uh depictions of of uh dystopia that that we enjoy and the, i guess the the entire point isn't a to bum you out it is more uh, maybe to give you some new things to enjoy like geek wise and then uh, also like when you read these dystopian things like oftentimes like sometimes they're prophetic sometimes they're not yeah definitely and then it always has the other bright side 
of making you realize that things aren't all that bad. Uh, Correct. In uh, comparison. Yes. All right. Well, I'll. Uh, you have the floor first, sir. Where do you want to? Where do you want to start us? Okay. Cool. So when we first started started discussing this, we were um, trying to decide what genres and stuff that we wanted to uh, go over. So I picked uh, two books, a comic book, and a video game. Um, so I'll start with the books. Um, I'll start with my very first, my uh, very favorite one, because why not start with the top? Right. Um, there's a book uh, written by an author named Joe Haldeman called The Forever War. Um, Joe Haldeman was a, um, he was a Vietnam vet, and the book is science fiction, uh, hard science fiction. It has to do with the theory of relativity quite a bit. Um, and the book has a lot of uh, parallels with like the Vietnam War and a lot of the um, a lot of the feelings uh, and changes that Vietnam vets were experiencing from when they went to war, spent time in Vietnam, and then came back, and then the culture shock that they received when they got back to the United States. Um, so a quick synopsis of the book. Um, basically, it's a it's a story about human soldiers that are fighting an interstellar war. Um, with an alien civilization that's been discovered um somewhere in the book there's they talk about how um like a wormhole has been discovered and it takes them to another galaxy and uh when they first went there to explore it they got into a firefight with some alien beings there and now they're launched in this uh forever war basically against them um the reason they call it a forever war is because uh the theory of relativity states that the faster away from Earth you travel, the more time passes on Earth, which is, uh, there's that really good scene in the movie uh, Interstellar that explains that really well um, about how people age faster um, on Earth while you remain relatively the same age. So uh, in the book, these uh, soldiers are super, are like super intelligent and they wear these like really cool, like exo gear, kind of like uh, starship troopers. Um, but as they leave, they go and they do these like missions in this other like a galaxy and then they come home every couple of years and um well to them it's like every few years but uh, i think it's uh just shy of just over a thousand years passes on earth and so each time that they come back and they're on leave they get to readjust to the cultural changes and the um, changes to the environment and then and like the nations and stuff like that um i really liked it because it was interesting uh, I guess the reason that it's a dystopia, number one, is because it's a war that never ends. Um, but also, I just like the idea of uh, like the, the the culture shock aspect of it. I thought it was interesting that every time that they, you, you know, when they start off on Earth and then they leave and they explore the uh, the galaxy and then they come back, it's like the it's like the devastation of their of their of the culture that they've known over and over and over again. Um, so it was interesting to see that uh, that like um, shock of adjustment when they return. Yeah, it's it's. I like the idea of the future shock. I've, it's been a long time since I've read this. Uh, I went through a period of time where like literally dystopian science fiction. I read almost everything I could. Spent spent a pretty penny just like reading and reading and reading. Um, and this actually, I think I found this book through visiting the science fiction museum in in Seattle. Oh, how cool where it was like, you know, they had like different books and like when, when they all came out and I was like, Oh, I haven't read that one. So off to Amazon or wherever, wherever I got it. 
But, um, I mean, you know, 1974, so not the oldest of the books we're going to talk about, but it, it's a really interesting idea. And, like, right now, I think everybody's in a state of uh, current shock or present shock with yeah. everything going on. So, yeah. And, 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 I, the, and, I mean, something else I'll mention later in the conversation deals with that, like, time dilation thing. I just like that you were super smart about it and mentioned Einstein. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, like, so, I, I mean, I've, I've, like, learned about this in, like, all my science classes for years and years. But it never really, like, struck me, like, on a, on a, on a um, visual, like, level, like, in that movie Interstellar, like I was mentioning. Um, there's a scene there where, spoiler alert, where there's some people that uh, get stuck on a planet and time passes slowly for them, but quickly for somebody else. And I think only, like, two hours passes. But when they are, when they meet back up, one of the people is, like, has aged, like, 30 or 40 years. So right. it's a visual shock. Which is interesting because most movies really don't do that. So it was cool to see like a visual uh, representation of it. Um, right. But I also like the idea. For, I mean, from a historian standpoint, um, and linking it back to this, uh, or to linking it back to 2020, I really like the idea in the book of like permanence of how nothing is really nothing is really permanent in human history or in this book either. Um, you know, because it shows like how f how fragile and temporary things are. I mean, the book spans just over a thousand years. So, I mean, like imagine a thousand years in human history. Right. I, I don't think any, no bad times have really surpassed a thousand years. So good oh, yeah. times will, de will definitely happen in the next thousand. <laughs> well, I, li I literally am just about to finish uh, this book that I'm reading for history of uh, covering German nationalism from 1500 to 2000 and just in 500 years like pretty crazy like what can change yeah it's wild how much stuff has changed um but also about this book what i really liked about it there was a couple scenes that really like for the sci-fi futuristic like horror aspect of it there's a there, there's a part where they're um where they're i'm, I'm not this isn't really a spoilers because the book came out in 1974 so you should get on it if you haven't but um there's this part where they're traveling faster than light to get to the other galaxy through the worm through the wormhole and they the way that they do it is they get put inside of these like stasis pods, which are filled with like a fluid. Okay. And it's, and it's to keep them basically from like overextending or like exploding basically, because the body can't really handle the pressures of this, of this uh, type of travel. And there's a part where there's like a leak in like one of the tanks and um, the main character uh, Mandela uh, is in love with this other character. And she's the one whose tanks malfunction. And the way that Joe Haldeman describes like the effects on the body is like the most nightmarish and dystopian thing I've ever read in my life. It's like, he like talks about how like some of her bones are starting to like separate and like kind of almost poke out of the skin. So that's really exciting to look forward to. Uh, if you're going to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I mean, you know, this is a, a good transition over to something I thought of when I was thinking about, you know, different dystopia, like this book gets compared a lot to like Heinlein, and while, like, I was reading, like, Haldeberg wrote this, like, as his master's thesis, like, to get a degree in English, like, a, yeah. an MBA, or a master's in English. So that's pretty cool that he wrote, wrote such a, a book, you know, by his experience with Vietnam and everything. But, yeah, there's there's definite comparisons to, to Robert Heinlein's, like, you know, Starship Troopers, which, as much as I enjoy the movie Starship Troopers, is a much different story uh, then <laughs> it definitely is yeah um starship troopers is actually one of my favorite films of all time probably my favorite film of all time but yeah this is an interesting take that uh haldeman you know he wrote this right um 
people think that he wrote it as a direct response to Star to Starship Troopers, right. just because he felt that you know it was so. I mean, as I said, he was a Vietnam vet, so uh, I I imagine that his experience was not at all like what it was in Starship Troopers, um, but his one was more visceral and real. Right. Um, I hope that they make a movie out of this one day. I know that it's been it's been picked up a lot, right. um, but at at the time when it got picked up, uh, I think Platoon had just been made, and a few other Vietnam War movies have, had just been made. So they they put they passed on this one, which is a shame because it's not really a Vietnam War movie. So, right. Well, I mean, one of the biggest changes is like Heinlein. Are, you know, if you if you don't know who Heinlein is, you, you probably should look him up, especially if you're going to get into like dystopian science fiction. But uh, his Starship Troopers it, it glorifies like the military much more, whereas uh, you know. <laughs> Haldeman's like no, <laughs> no yeah. there, there, there's nothing nothing glory glory about war even if it's in the star stars with time dilation against the Torons or whatever yeah there's really not you know and he even talks about like like me trying to think back to even like the combat scenes in it where you know everything is so um, it's it's completely different to any other like science fiction war or combat scene you've ever read because um it's literally an alien world. And I think Haldeman really pushes that. And he really pushes uh, as much as people are, as like as much as the characters and the soldiers are going through culture shocks coming back to the United, or c- coming back to Earth. Um, they're really experiencing culture shock when they go to a different galaxy and they step foot on alien planets and they see alien beings and they're completely different uh, biomes with creatures and weapons that they don't understand. Um so that's a that's a really interesting take on it too, and it's very um, it's very abrupt. Uh, I th- I feel like Haldeman really um, used a lot of the experiences of Vietnam with like the sudden ambushes and stuff in the middle of the jungle. Um, right. That that suddenness happens quite a bit in the book as well, which I thought was just really interesting, and um, it, it was a it was a, a, a quote unquote fresh take on the dystopian science fiction uh, genre. Um, at least for me, because everything that I read now is more like, you know, kind of like Star Warsy and Star Trekky, where it's very uh, like modernish combat, but set in a in a futuristic scenario. Right. Well, and like you know, not trying to get away from that, but just so we can fit in as much as we can. Like I re- I recommend reading Forever War. I also recommend reading Starship Troopers by Heinlein. Although I will will say there's much more militarism in it, but it does deal with ideas of like a fascist state and uh, like, Mm -hmm. you know, military service for like the right to vote. Um, And then just, you know, people going up against, against a different bug. But uh, like, like I will say the movie is beautiful and wonderful and in its own way is a great, great uh, parody of the uh, fascism or a fascist state. But the book is much different. (laughs) It It is. Yeah. yeah, and you should read it, and uh, we will tell you right now, you should not look at this, at the society in Starship Troopers as one to aspire to. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah, and uh, I mean they are they are fighting bugs, and they do have the big mech suits, which is similar to what happens in Forever War. But if you want to go much more current, like if I was going to recommend like a book, I actually talked about this uh, 
really, really briefly when I was talking to Nick, where he was going over, you know, his uh, his science fiction writer or science fantasy or whatever that he loves. But I talked about John Scalzi. So John Scalzi actually wrote like the forward to the newest edition or the newest uh, pressing of Forever War. And whereas where, you know, uh, Haldeman said, like, yeah, he was influenced by Heinlein and they wrote his own thing. Scalzi's influenced by both of them. And his very first book, although he's written tons of them and books that aren't in this series, is called Old Man's War. Have you read that? Um, I think I've started reading it, but I never finished it. So I I enjoy the way John Scalzi writes. I think uh, he's he writes like a everyman like along the lines of like a Stephen King. We're just like, you know, it's it's easy prose. Like, it goes down really, really smooth. He's very, mm. very clever with the way he writes stuff. But basically, uh, the world uh, has colonial defense forces. And, and essentially, when you are an old man or an old woman, uh, you can volunteer to extend your life through military service. And they, they take your consciousness and they put it into into a new body, a young version of you. But it has extra strength and speed and endurance and, like... And and recent, so basically, John Perry's seventy five years old, and then all of a sudden, he is is put into this young super body, and and he's with a bunch of a bunch of other old people who have also all been put in super bodies, and their job is to fight aliens, and protect Earth, and uh, and it's all about the the weirdness that goes with that. Um, but like, there's also like. Uh, their their new bodies have like green skin and like yellow cat eyes because this oh, is wow. what what allows for like stuff and then they get this uh, there's a computer that's embedded into them called a brain pal which is like a neural interface and it's it's just wild because it's it's old people fighting the wars of the young and because they get to be young again of course there's all sorts of shenanigans and sex <laughs> but also like absolutely with super bodies. Know, <laughs> like rifle rifle creeds and like they have to go through like boot camp and then they they get into all sorts of fights and like this this story continues on beyond um beyond just this it goes there's like the ghost brigades and the last colony and zoe's tale and human division like it's just so good it's incredible and it, it's i don't want to spoil anything for it because i think it's it's definitely worth worth uh seeing but like there's there's like another character basically that that uh that mr perry like interacts with which is connected to like his past life and it's pretty freaking great and there's like special forces uh within the military and it's just awesome and i really like that uh one of the characters is named sagan <laughs> which is totally like you know geeking out with like the cosmos and all that stuff that is is it a is it is it like a contained um universe the series of books yes okay cool i'll have to check those out because i've because i've heard them before and some of my friends have raved about them um and i think i picked up old man's universe or uh, old man's war but i never got around to reading it so now i'm gonna have to yeah this one basically was just like while i was doing all my dystopian sci-fi i forget which book i got i might have grabbed like irobot or something off of the shelf and there was an older man there and was like oh you like you know just science fiction dystopian i was like i love it so much and he reached up and grabbed old man's war and put it in my hands and he was like you're welcome and he walked away (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome uh, and yeah like all the different alien species and and the way the story's told is just it's lovely and like john's 
the one thing John Scalzi's not an old man, so of course, like you know, he's a young man writing writing about this old man dealing with like you know mortality issues and like extending your life and what friendship and marriage and and relations means. But it's it's good because it's it's about aging, but it's also about being young, but it's also about you know what's right in war and humanity and it's it's good stuff. Yeah, it sounds really good. It sounds, and I'm I'm glad to hear that it's pretty easy to read because uh, the next book that I was going to talk about in my favorite dystopians, um, is not. <laughs> it's not easy to read. <laughs> but it's uh, I I have a really big soft spot for Cormac McCarthy. Um, if you don't know his name, uh, you definitely have seen at least one of his movies because a bunch of his works have been uh, adapted into films. Um, most notably, probably the uh, No No Country for uh, Old Men. Um, but the dystopia that I'm going to talk about is uh, The Road, the book that he wrote in uh, 2006, uh, which then became a film, I think just a few years later, with Viggo Mortensen. Um, but the book is basically... Uh, how do I explain this book? I mean, this book is basically just like... It's a story... It's a It's a... It's a heartwarming story about a dad and a son going on a road trip. That's basically what it is. Um, on a on a way to not prep anybody for the book for real. Um, what it is basically is a uh, it's a story about this this father and son who are trying to survive in a post apocalyptic um, world, which I'm assuming is the United States. Um, I don't remember if he ever specifically says it's the U.S., but um, the book is great and I love it because they never really explain uh, what happened or why it happened. Um, all you know is that this father and son wake up in the middle of this forest and they're trying to travel south uh, because winter is coming and they're running out of food and it's going to get really cold. And um, the entire world that's described throughout the book is being very gray. Uh, there's a continual uh, ash fall that like, never seems to stop. Uh, and the story is just really about them, um, traveling South, uh, through this post-apocalyptic U uh, U.S. where the roads are destroyed and houses are abandoned and, um, food is very scarce. Um, but the reason what you said it was not easy to read is because the, the writing style in it is, um, it's a back and forth mostly between the father and the son and ancillary uh, characters that pop up every now and then, but also it's, it's included with uh, people's thoughts. So like the father's uh, thought process, but you're never really sure what is being, what is being said or thought where, because Cormac McCarthy doesn't break it up at all in the book. It's just presented as one long, I guess like one long paragraph, right? Because there's not a lot of, I don't think there's any uh, quote, uh, quotation marks in the whole book. Yeah. I've never read the book, to be honest, although I do know it was on Oprah's book list. Oh, man. You got to read the book. It's so good. I, I've seen the movie with Viggo Mortensen, though. Yeah, the movie is pretty good, too. Um, I like the movie. Uh, but the book is, um, I don't know. I really like Cormac McCarthy's writing style. He has a really good, he has a really cool way of describing really beautiful moments or scenes um in like the most nightmarish of scenarios um right. but the book is really good uh the book is a little bit more spiritual i think than the movie is um in the 
in the in the book the father constantly reassures his son that they're the good guys in this world and that they're carrying the fire he uh, calls it um and that's essentially like basically like the only way that the father can reconcile this new world that they live in where they're trying to survive day by day is that he looks at his son and he sees like God basically in him, or he sees like a reason to live essentially. Um, so he leans on that quite a bit and he'll do literally anything to save his son. Um, they, they, on their travel, they come across uh, like thieves who basically try to rob all their stuff out of their shopping cart. Um, that's right. In the post-apocalyptic dystopia, they, uh, the number one transportation method is a good old trusty shopping cart. <laughs> um, so they come across this guy and then um, there's another, there's like roving groups of uh, marauders and like cannibals because food is falling so scarce that um, people are starting to eat each other. Uh, I mean, you've seen the movie, right? So do you remember that scene where they find the, uh, the uh, Coke can? Yes. And the and the dad is like, oh, you got to try it because it's like the only time he's ever going to be able to try it, probably in his entire life, because it might literally be the only Coke left anywhere. Um, but it's a good, it's a really good story. It's a good story about these two surviving in this like torn asunder world. Um, and it's great seeing like really humanizing moments in this very inhuman uh, scenario. So if you haven't read the book, I recommend it. That was a good one. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, 2006. That's that's one of the the newer ones, you know, to talk about. I think uh, Old Man's War is somewhere around that. I didn't I didn't actually uh, <laughs> I didn't actually look. Uh, 2005. So yeah. So the the current, which of course, then you got to go back. Like all these people are inspired by somebody, and you could go back as far as like the 1930s to Aldous Huxley if you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting, um, it's an, it's an interesting genre that reaches back a really long time. So, yeah, um, it's, it's literally like just somebody trying to figure out like what they think the, the future is and brave new world. Like, I think that's, that's sort of along the same lines. Like, well, I think it's an amazing book. It's not the easiest of reads. Like it's not. Um, we had to read that one in high school. We read that one in 1984, which is also another. I mean, everybody knows the high school dystopias. What are they? Brave New World, uh, 1984. And Fahrenheit 451. Fahrenheit 451. Um, and I've heard Animal Farm a lot of times is a dystopia, so, which it doesn't make sense to me. But I, it's not dystopia, but definitely because it's Orwell, like it's a. Uh... It's right there. Like, if we were, like, going to briefly... So, like, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley is sort of, like... It is dystopia, but it's also sort of, like, utopian science fiction. Because, like, there's, like, the world state, and, like, they've figured out, like, how to control the masses. Like, if everybody follows the program, like, you can be happy. Yeah. The, the problem is there's, there's like, one person who doesn't follow the program, or there's groups of people who don't follow the program and don't don't like this world state, like, control. But, like, there's not war, per se. Uh, you can – there's, like, sleep learning, and there's the Soma, you know, which which pacifies everybody. Uh, but then it, it's, it's weird because there's, there's violence, 
mixed within it, but there's like anhedonia. It's it's strange. Like, yeah, it's that it's that like I mean, it's like the classical dystopian archetype where it's on the you know on the surface it looks perfect, uh, right. but if you look too closely at the seams, it starts to come apart, and you know there, there's all these underlying issues that um build up and well, usually yeah, these super novels they over they overboil. And there's some interesting ideas like, you know, like John the Savage, you know, versus like civilized society and savage society and then like just basically like how, you know, someone can only have read like the works of Shakespeare and like quote yeah. them, yet they're the savage of the book. Uh and like it definitely like interesting that big uh figures of history like henry ford and sigmund freud and like wells and and yada yada like are all like key figures like in this brave new world um and it's 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 a really interesting idea especially that like world nation i think is a an interesting idea aldous huxley inevitably if you're getting into dystopian science fiction somebody's going to point you towards him yeah i mean it's if you've never read dystopias i would say that either uh brave new world or 1984 should be your starting point yeah 1984 like what to say but just like the ultimate like like critique of society devolving into fascism like true fascism like democratic socialism instead of like national socialism um and it's just yeah it's it's bleak and and you don't you don't read it uh feeling happy by the end of it it's it's uh, often these stories are not happy stories although sometimes they are you know <laughs> the road is definitely not a happy story <laughs> no that's not true uh, the road ends on a happy note <laughs> sure it does for um, one of the characters <laughs> for, yeah <laughs> it's not the very last lines in the book are not depressing so uh i choose to look at it in a good light <laughs> yeah. um I think 1984, you definitely, uh, if you haven't read it, should, because right now, uh, both sides, left and right, are comparing the opposite side to 1984. Yeah. It sort of like boggles my brain, because they can't both. It's not a Porque No Los Dos situation. No, (laughs) it's not. Um, Yeah, what's great about 1984 is that it's... um, uh i mean there's there's tons of there's tons of phrases that you've heard um in like society today that directly link back up with this like uh the terms big brother like big like big brother's watching you or the terms thought crime stuff like that um but the book is is really about um uh yeah, I mean, well, it's really about like big government and like, um, I mean, it was written in 19, uh, 1949. So it was just after World War II. So it was very much influenced by uh, Nazi Germany and um, Stalinist Russia, or sorry, Stalinist Soviet Union. Right. Um, very big, very big uh, impressions on the author George Orwell um, when he wrote this book. So uh, just imagine the very worst aspects of those nations turned up to 11 and uh, that's pretty much what you have it's definitely a totalitarianism uh mass mass like surveillance of the state uh, nationalism uh, freedom uh, definitely checked uh including like thoughts and words but mm -hmm. then there's like interesting thing like the the newspeak and you look at how people write in like text messages and you're like you know it's it's 
the the English language is being compressed, uh, and then you know thought crime. I've heard a lot of people using the word thought crime like in the last year, and I'm just like, oh wow, here we go. <laughs> yeah, and then the other the other like big key terms that people have probably heard quite a bit is uh, the war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. Cause it's like the, that's the, that's the repeating message of the government throughout the book over and over again, as they're trying to um, program the masses into obeying their um, structure of the world. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's some definite, like, you know, the, the world is broken into like three basic powers uh, and this is based just like, uh, you know, all the sexless brave new world, you know, they're British writers. So they write about the future of their country, which makes sense. But, uh, you know, the ministry of peace and their job is war, <laughs> the ministry of plenty and has to keep people from having stuff. Ministry yeah. of truth is all about lies. And the ministry of love is all about hate. And, uh, it's, it's pretty great. And poor Winston Smith. Yeah. And, yeah, I, it's so funny because, like, I, I quote all the time, like, literally with my six-year-old, we were doing math, and I was like, what's two plus two? And he was like, four. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's five. And he's like, no, it's not. It's four. <laughs> and it was just so good because I'm like, kid, you have no idea that I'm just being a big geek. <laughs> um, speaking of um, about how authors like to write a little bit about their own countries and the future of them, um, do you want to dive into the comic book section? Sure, yeah. All right. Do you want to hop on um, East of West? Sure. So um, literally one of the ways I found out that Dan is into like dystopian like fiction is uh, this comic book series, East of West, because we, we discovered real fast that we both enjoy comics. Uh, and like a good dealer, he gave me my, my first free taste of East of West. <laughs> he gave me like... I don't know, it was like eight issues or something like that in the middle of a hard, like our capstone class where I had no business like reading comics. <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, got me hooked, although it took me a while to, to buy all the books, but it is a, a comic series that is complete. It is, if you, if you get into East of West, it is completely done. Uh, the writer is Jonathan Hickman and the artist for the entire series, which I love, is Nick Dragota. Um, did it's a beautiful job. So pretty. And it's basically uh, it's dystopia, but it's more like science fiction. It's a science fiction Western, and the U.S. is a dystopia, but it is not a dystopia that could happen because it exists in an alternate timeline. And in this alternate timeline, not only has uh, history diverged after the American Civil War, but it also uh, actors in the book are dealing with the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And I'm, I'm sure people listening right now are like, what in the world is this <laughs> strange ass thing you just described? It it's it, if it doesn't hook you it's, and sound strange, it's so lovely. It's it's so amazing. And especially like Hickman and Dragota, you know, they collaborated on the Fantastic Four and then just kept working together. And basically like the, the United States is broke. It's it is US centric. It does not involve anywhere in Europe. Um, but you well, I guess I mean, you know, like the the uh, what the what do they call the Chinese portion of the Western United States? Um Oh, it's, it's not on my brain. I don't have the book in front of me. Oh, the People's Republic of yeah, America. Yeah, so, so the People's Republic of America. So there are 
there are communists who have fled Mao Zedong in China and like established their own like nation in America, but they're they're Chinese Americans. I don't know because mm-hmm. America isn't really so much a concept. So you have like the Confederate States, which is the North and the South. They, it ends in like armistice because of the the four horsemen of the apocalypse arriving. So you know the Confederates get a portion of the United States, and then the slaves are freed, and they get a portion of the United States. The indigenous people that hadn't been killed yet, they get a portion of the United States. Uh, the People's Republic of Texas, so Texas gets a much bigger version. Uh, there's also the the North, which uh, gets a portion, and then there's the People's Republic of America. And I feel like I'm missing somebody. You're missing uh, the armistice. Uh, the armistice itself, which is where it's like a no man's land, where it was yeah. um, where they signed the uh, where they signed the armistice. Yeah, and it, it is literally all of these powers like in in contention for power against each other, but also the there's an entire prophecy about the end of the world, which involves the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And uh, each area has a selected person that's supposed to keep this prophecy moving called one of the chosen. And 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 within that, uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse aren't united and death is separate from, you know, war, famine and conquest and actually opposed to his brothers and sisters. And it's just crazy. <laughs> it it's a wild ride. It is indeed a wild ride, and it continues to be a wild ride. I would say towards the very tail end, like, they just, I think they just realized they had to wrap it up. So it real quickly does wrap up, but it's satisfying when it does, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah, I um, I, I was first drawn to it because, um, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't even know how I picked this book up. I think I was just in the comic book shop, and I saw the cover, and I was just like, oh, that's cool. They made, like, a Western comic and i love jonathan hickman and i love nick dragata so i was like oh i'll check this one out and see like what it's all about and um yeah like you said i i got like eight episodes or eight uh, issues in and i was just like oh my god this is incredible because it was they did i mean you and i are both uh rooted in history so to see the the alternate united states that they created not so united but the different like America that they uh, created with real historical figures like Red Cloud. Um, But they did such a good job of uh, like really highlighting. Like I loved uh, one of my favorite parts about the book is that um, they, they turn tropes on their head. So like with the indigenous people with the endless nation, they're like the most technologically advanced nation on, on, like the, on like the continent which was just incredible to me right yeah it's the endless nation is amazing just the art and the dialogue is so great and it's just so interesting because there's characters that are for the apocalypse happening like they want the apocalypse to happen mm-hmm. then there's a whole slew of characters that are against the apocalypse like they have a vested interest in still existing and then there's like independent actors that they're just out for themselves like i'm thinking of like president archibald mm-hmm. <laughs> like or Chamberlain. Yeah. Um, and you might think like, and you might think like, well, so, and the main character in the comic book is death. He's, he's the main character. It's like who it like centers around. Right. Um, and you might think like, well, like one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse death, obviously this is like a very, the, the power creep is massive in this comic book. And like, what is the point? But it's not, it's really, it's a really good story. 
Um, you, I mean, you definitely get to see him be a badass in a bunch of moments, but it never feels like, oh, this is like, like, what is the point of this comic? Because like nobody can stop him. Right. And it's, it's, there's, there's definite stakes and there's, there's a love story mixed in there and beautiful love story. Yeah. Uh, the Ranger is one of my favorite characters. I, I really like him. The, the Texas vigilante and his, yeah. uh, and his robo dog, which looks like the real world robo dogs that the military's rolling out, which is scary. <laughs> yeah. I, I really loved, um, Wolf and Crow. They're very, oh, yeah. very cool characters. And they they stand out so starkly, like on the page. They're oh, so they do. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And Wolf is is so cool, but Crow is so pretty. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. We can't like we. It's literally impossible to understate or to overstate like how beautiful the artwork is in these in these books because they're just it's it's just a masterstroke. They're splashes of color, but very like. Um, not like a not like somebody's just throwing buckets of paint at a wall, but it's just like a color explosion. You know, they're very like uh, contrasting colors and very um, like solid solid sections of color, but th- they just work in a certain way that just oh, it's incredible. Yeah, I I have heard news that they're actually supposed to like Amazon might be doing this as a a TV series, which I can only hope would uh, really happen but then i've heard actually that it's no longer in development so who knows what i can tell you is that it's like 149 issues something like that I'm trying to think uh, i had to had to look it up uh, uh, i don't have it right in front of me uh, 40 45 does that sound right 40 yeah that sounds that sounds closer like each one of the books 45, yeah, 45 yeah. are you know collect i think it's uh, 10 volumes in the in the little image books which costs like 10 or 15 dollars um but it's just so good and the the prophecy the the little snippets that encounter that like start and end every book are just so on point like it's it's definitely a a critique of culture and and while uh it's far enough removed from current reality it still says something about our reality it is yeah it really does and i you know, I mean, going back to what I was saying about the um, historian to me, like uh, where they did the, where they, I I'm curious to see if Hickman. I don't. I haven't read any articles or anything about this, but I wonder if they consulted any experts for when they were crafting, um, what these alternate nations would be like, because they they did such a good job of like portraying them, but not not sticking to any like stereotypes or sticking to any uh derogatory um uh like common ideas or anything like that yeah i don't i don't know like i'm sure like there's lots of research and like talking to different people but uh you know i I like to think that uh, hickman is is a smart enough person and wordsmith to like come up with his own thing Definitely. Yeah. Um, I was just, I mean, just going back to, I, I like my favorite part of the whole book is that uh, red, red cloud is the one that leads the uh, endless nation because uh, early on in my academic career, I wrote a paper on red, on red clouds war. So that was the only, and I'm like one of the only people that I know that ever mentioned him. So it was very cool to see like a historical figure that is a giant uh, in indigenous um, history uh, pop up on a uh, comic book page, so it's pretty cool. Right. I I mean it's yeah it's it's and Mao Zedong is like involved in it and 
it's it's uh it's it's good it's it's based it's based enough in reality that that the the science fiction works <laughs> yeah so this is definitely a good one definitely on the list of uh dystopians that i've really enjoyed well, i know there was another comic you really wanted to mention yeah i was going to quickly mention um uh the dmz comic books by um uh brian wood and ricardo uh ricardo Berkeley? Yeah. yeah Berkeley. um it's really cool uh it's it's a little it's a little maybe too close to home right now <laughs> um it's about uh basically it's like a civil war has erupted in the united states um and it's it's between the federal government and free and quote unquote the free states armies um and this the the comic book is centered in new york on the island of manhattan uh which is listed as the demilitarized zone of the united states um the main character of the book is uh a journalist named maddie roth and he goes there just to uh originally he's just like a cameraman just to film somebody else that was going there who probably gets immediately killed i think in the first couple panels um and then he stays there for years and uh it tells a story about like the people that he's meeting with and uh, um, people who live in the DMZ, uh, some street medics that are there, um, and then the U.S. government and the free states operating in the DMZ doing a lot of like clandestine uh, operations. Um, yeah, so overall, that's that's uh, that's basically the gist of the book. Um, I really like it because it's like a it's like it's very much a modern day like right now, like America, like what would happen if like, there was like a balkanization of the United States. Um, so that's interesting to read, but I can understand if anybody is reticent to read that at the moment, because uh, it definitely doesn't feel too outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, I, I'm well aware of DMZ, but I've never read any of it. And I will say with the world right now, I don't know that I could dive into it. Yeah, I, this this one isn't high on my list of recommendations uh, for this episode. I would rather people will check out the other ones that we've mentioned so far. Yeah, although last semester I spent like uh, the majority of my time reading about uh, indigenous experience and slavery, oh. and uh, you would think like, oh, well, I got that, but no, now I'm diving into uh, you know Red Russia and uh, the Holocaust. So uh, I just I, I like sad times in history, I suppose. Yeah, just <laughs> glutton for punishment, apparently. Uh, my my historical studies brought to you by my white guilt. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, but uh, DMZ definitely. That's something I, I want to check out at some point. It's seventy something issues. Seventy two. Yeah, the um it ran from uh two thousand five to two thousand twelve, and you know the 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 art is beautiful in it, and the and the writing is really good um it never feels uh like it's uh out of touch and it's very uh the uh the uh, pacing is great um i'm not saying it's a bad book like by no means i mean this is on my list of favorite dystopias so it's definitely not a bad series I, my only warning is that maybe not right now maybe right. save it for a more harmonious time in the united states and this one for sure, like Deadline reported, Ava DuVernay is working on adapting this for HBO Max. Yeah, this would be a very cool HBO Max series. Yeah, especially with the prescience with with stuff going on in the world. Yeah, um, although I feel like I feel like it would touch a little bit like on how um, what was that new comic book series that was on Amazon just a, 
by, by about a month ago. Just premiered. Uh, what was it one more time? Uh, the Amazon um, Prime comic book series that just came uh, out. The Boys? No, the other one. Um, it's about like a virus that they're trying to find. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I've heard about it or seen it. Um, uh, you know what? I don't remember right now, but I'll find out and I'll text you and then you can let all the listeners know on the next episode. <laughs> okay. <Sounds laughs> it's a cliffhanger. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to like the only thing I, I've watched on Amazon Prime lately is is the boys, and then uh, what what's the other one? The uh, the true dystopia. Uh, oh, why can I not think of it? It's that Germany won the war. Um, oh, um, the man in the high castle. Yes. Right. Yeah. Man in the you high know, castle. I I have never watched that show. Oh really? I oh, you man. know I've I, actually that's not true. I'm sorry. I've I've watched a couple episodes of it, but I just cannot get into it for some reason. Oh, it's so good. Like I got into that show watching it with my mom, and uh, it was it was my mom's like it's our funny little Nazi show, and I'm like don't call it that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I got I got Danny the Deuce hooked on it, and it's 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 great. But like that that show just. You know, knowing history like kills me. Like there's there's a part early in like the first season, which I guess is a spoiler, so skip ahead like a minute if you want. But it's it's literally he's he's in the countryside, he's left like New York City out in the countryside and he gets pulled over by a cop or something and the character is standing out like in this field and there's all this like snow falling on him, but you find out it's not snow, it's the local crematorium. Oh jeez, and heavy. like, yeah, oh, and it's there's just like elements. It's sort of like when when you're a history major and you watch Indiana Jones and and the Last Crusade, and yeah. when the when the Germans are talking to that one, you know, the guy that's in charge of the area, and he offers them like all this like gold, and he says, you know, donated by some of Germany's finest citizens, and yeah. you and you know like those this item stolen from Jews, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, little burden. little tidbits for hist- for, the, for uh, historians. The burden of history. <laughs> That's definitely it. Uh, that show that I was talking about is called Utopia. Oh, okay, and is it? It's already out. Yeah, it's already out. It's based on the comic book. Uh, it's based on the comic book. I think called called you called Utopia. So, it's a uh, spoiler alert. It's not a utopia. Uh, it very much fits in this episode of dystopias. Um, but the it's a uh, they released the show this year and it's about a virus and, uh, and a vaccine. So people were like, maybe this isn't the best time to release this. Um, but it's a good series. Well, created by David Fincher. So, you know, it's a happy show. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. with lots of feel good, feel lots of feel good moments. Yeah. It looks like it was canceled. Was it really? Yes, yeah, I'm looking. It's a November 27 article. On Amazon has opted not to order a second season. Oh man, that's a big bummer. Yeah, sorry about that, man. Yeah, that's all right. But a uh, fun fact, friends, for all of you who think utop- utopia does mean like you know goodness, actually, it just means like absence of goodness or badness. It's just like the future, like the you like. I don't. I've read this entire thing where, like, in the original Greek or whatever, it's like the U like cancels out the topia part. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's uh. So it, it's like there's people that don't think like when the when the original like use of it was used actually meant like something good. It just you know it just meant uh, 
like literally uh, just like a self-contained like community on an island. Yeah, like Otopos, like no place or nowhere. So it literally uh, means like some place that can't exist. Interesting, because of all the yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I actually just googled it just to pull it up, and it, a really good um, summary of it is by Lyman Tower Sargent, uh, which says. The nature of utopia is inherently contradictory because societies are not uh, homogenous and have desires which conflict and therefore cannot simultaneously be satisfied. So exactly what you said about how they about how you can't mesh those things together. Right. So it's like uh, it's like a pie in the sky, like just like uh, an improbable dream. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas dystopia, while while not true, is more real and grounded, I suppose. <laughs> it's much more it's uh, much more feasible, I would say. It is based in some sort of fact, or it is informed by some sort of at least perceived fact. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, while we're talking comics, like you know, we'd be remiss if we don't mention *V for Vendetta* by Alan Moore and David Lloyd oh, and Tony Ware. Uh, another it's it's not a ton of issues like it's collected and uh probably cost you like 20 bucks or something to like pick it up and while the yeah. i i enjoy the movie i really do um like these 10 issues it's oh, the graphic novel is just so good but fair warning alan moore he he likes words like when you, <laughs> yeah. read, when you read one of his comics there's gonna be just as much words as art on the page <laughs> yeah honestly i would i'm not gonna lie to you uh i would rather uh a novel version of this book because there's so many words and on the on the panels that it, you might as well just be reading a novel yeah yeah but this is this is another like this is england and it is fascism but it also has to do with uh uh, issues of homophobia and viruses <laughs> and mm -hmm. concentration camps and the police state and uh it's it's lovely it's a it's a really great story i mean it's it's sad and i don't want it to happen ever but yeah, yeah. it's very uh, sad um and you know, this is uh, one of, I, uh, sorry oh sorry i was gonna say you know i was gonna say i think that he based a lot of it on actual british history just prior to world war ii um with uh oswald mosley and the and the black shirts the guys in the uk that were fighting for a fascist uh united kingdom I, that sounds right to me, although I don't know completely. I do know, I can guarantee you this, friend. Go to your local library if it's open, if it's not closed because of the Rona. And this is one of those books that'll be there. Like, even though it's a comic book, it'll it'll be available to, to check out. I actually checked it out from the Long Beach Library the first time uh, I reread it. <laughs> yeah, this, this has to be at your local library. Um, if they're not open at the moment, please uh, check your local library's website and see if they have a checkout section online where you can go and pick it up because a lot of them are doing curbside service and would like to help you yeah but i mean were you saying like david lloyd like definitely like guy fox and that that british history is involved yeah that's a little yeah i mean that's a major theme of it too um for anybody that doesn't know that was the guy that tried to blow up parliament yes Yes, remember, remember the 5th of November. But there's also, like, you know, I know, like, uh, like Margaret Thatcher's, like, government sort of, like, like influenced more. Like, more is just, like, he's he's anti-stuff. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And, uh, and like, this book was definitely meant to, to be a, a dystopian critique of society. And it's interesting. 
it is. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely worth a read. I mean, Alan Moore is a, he's, I mean, he's a master of the craft. He's like one of the biggest names in comic books. Chances are, if you listen to this podcast, you've definitely read an Alan Moore comic book. Um, yeah, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, uh, V Frendetta is probably like, if you want to start with dystopian comic books, I'd say that's a good place to start. Cause sure. after that, it's all easy reading. For sure. <laughs> Wow, we're I kept we're all, you were right when we were talking about like going over this how like it, it was gonna have to be a two parter us talking about dystopia and like two different cats. Yeah, I didn't even get halfway through my list. <laughs> <laughs> even though we're coming up to the the hour mark, was there anything else you absolutely wanted to uh to include? Uh, no, I think that's good for now. Um, I really wanted to touch on. The Forever War book by Joe by Joe Haldeman. If you haven't read that, if you haven't read that before, please go pick it up and read it because it's one of my all time favorite books, and I think it's definitely worth it. And check to see if your local library has it. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely reattack this topic. I think uh, I think it's very interesting. I I think it's important to like not only are, the, are all these things like highly freaking entertaining, like oh, so so freaking good to read. Um, like it, it just takes you down this this path of like considering like you you're presented ideas and you're like I don't like that but that that might make you you know not hypersensitive but sensitive to if that actually was happening you know yeah. there, there, there's a reason why things have gone down in 2020 and people were like that reminds me of 1984 yes because we were all forced to read it in high school but yeah. but also you know that George Orwell's entire point of writing that was just so people would be like oh well this reminds me of this dystopian science fiction book which is never a good thing if something yeah. remi- if something reminds you <laughs> that's not any, good times <laughs> yeah of any of these things uh there was so much more i had i had listed down to talk about uh foundation trilogy or you know the enders oh, yeah. enders um, game yeah that's stuff i guess we could talk about in a, a future installment for whatever we decide to call this yeah, if you ever want to, um, if the listeners ever want to, if they ever run out of dystopians to read and they need to go on another bummer trip, uh, we'll definitely do a second one so we can hammer out uh, more of them so that we can <laughs> recommend some more stuff. Yeah, the bummer trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but hopefully uh, if you haven't heard of those things, like we're, we're heartily endorsing them. And uh, I think of, of all the stuff that I mentioned, I, I really would recommend Old Man's War by John Scalzi. I just really would recommend John Scalzi as a as an author. And he's he is I don't I hate using the term prolific, but similar to Stephen King, he puts out books regularly. Like you yeah. don't this isn't George R. R. Martin. You're not gonna have to wait seven years to find out <laughs> the next two hours of Lady Stoneheart's adventures on a wall, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I was looking at his uh, at his selected works, and that man put up a ton of work. So yes, yes, and he ha- he also has a blog that he writes on every day and has for oh, years man. and years. Like, and he has a Twitter too that he writes, you know, posts to. He's just uh, that's sort of his thing. Like, he's he's real fast brained, I suppose. Yeah, and like we said, uh, an East to West is really great too. I uh, yeah, I was so so happy to pick up the last book and and finish that and you're you're welcome to borrow them dan for sure once it's not rona and we're allowed to be in contact with people yeah i can't wait to see people in person again it's going to be the best day ever yeah <laughs> yeah and hopefully that idea is not our own personal utopia <laughs> definitely indeed <laughs> i want it to be a possible topia oh uh, 
Yeah, a potopia, a potatopia, potatopia. <laughs> my, my my favorite kind of opia. <laughs> yes, this potatopia. I wish I wish all of you, dear listeners, the best of potatopias. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, man. Do you got any things you want to plug? Uh, no. Same as always. I'm just plugging away at nerd stuff. Um, mostly posting my uh painted miniatures on my instagram uh if you guys want to check that out it's at underscore wash underscore on instagram um i actually just painted up wolverine from marvel crisis protocol i don't know if you saw that yeah i did that wolverine's really great i really really like that it's it's so funny because i know they're so tiny and i'm like it's so detailed good job (laughs) yeah like (laughs) meanwhile all i'm doing is drawing uh daddy shark is batman on my instagram (laughs) (laughs) did you see that I did, and you know what? It's all it's all artwork, man. Yeah, that's just I, I don't dare ask one of my artistic friends to to draw it for me. <laughs> yeah. It's all a matter of seeing. Uh, my we got like little baby shark toys for the baby, and one of them is Daddy Shark, and I was like, man, it looks like Daddy Shark's wearing a cowl. To which, uh, because we have a Batman voice that we do, it's Batman, Batman, Batman. <laughs> so is it Batman Shark? Do 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 Batman Shark. <laughs> truly uh truly the hero that that we need and and, and shawnee now will bring up daddy shark to me and go do do <laughs> <laughs> so it's good it's good yeah I'm, I'm training the boy to be uh be the the nerd the world needs gotta get him when they're young yeah man that's the only way to ensure the potatopia that's right all right. Friends, you know the drill. If you want to send me an email, uh, laughitupfuzzballpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, join the Laughing Up Fuzzballs Facebook group. Dan is a, a member over there. So uh, you can you can talk to us easy there and share geek stories or, or whatnot. Um, at Wookie Riot on Twitter and Instagram if you want to see my, my Batman shark, which it was not bad, pretty good. <laughs> it, it got thumbs up from uh, Mr. Blue, who's a real artist. So I'll, I'll take that. Um, and I think that's all the things. Uh, Anchor.fm slash laugh dash it dash up dash fuzzball. And I might actually be buying like uh, a URL where it's easier where I can just say like back in the old days of laughingupfuzzball.net. So stay tuned. Maybe I'll do that if I'm willing to drop the 20 bucks. And uh, yeah, I hope uh, hopefully you had a good New Year since now it's 2021 when you're listening to this. It's like the second or third week of January. And uh, hopefully all great things have happened for me and uh, Dan the Library Man. We've had our own potatopias. That's right. Fingers crossed. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thanks for stopping by, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. Of course. Yeah. Everybody be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. TTFN, uh, Dan the Library Man, and Joe the Wookie Riot out.